Two years ago, Americans watched in horror as a crisis unfolded at the Kabul airport. There's desperation and anguish. More than 80,000 Afghans have since arrived in America. But this story is still unfolding. I'm Andrea Smartin. In my new podcast, Stranger Becomes Neighbor, we'll find out what happens to these new arrivals in our communities. Who would help our newest neighbors? Follow us at kslpodcast.com, Apple Podcasts, or anywhere else you listen. All right, welcome to today's episode of Live Mike. You got Lee Lonsberry here. I'm sorry to disappoint for all of you uh, who heard the governor was going to be speaking. That's not the case. Uh, We have coincidentally reached out to him on another topic, though. Uh, so we may hear from the governor, but it's not likely. Today's not Speak to the Governor Day. It's uh, Listen to Lee Lonsberry Day here, episode number 219 of Live Mike. So thrilled to be with you here this Monday morning. We're going to cover a lot of ground on the program today, as it is, of course, the eve of Election Day. You have precious few little hours left to make some very consequential decisions that will impact uh, not only life, your life today, but also the life of your youngsters for years to come. And that's not hyperbolic to say that. Uh, That's reality. And that's the reality associated with the outcome of elections. We're going to spend much time on elections today. Later on, even, going to reopen the politicker. Going to give you an opportunity to, for 20 seconds, uh, uninterrupted airtime for you. Maybe you are a supporter of a candidate. Maybe you are a candidate yourself. But today, uh, just before 1.30, we're going to kick this off at about 1.20, uh, you are going to have an opportunity to participate again in the politicker. We'll look at some other things uh, there. But uh, before we get to that, we need to talk a little bit about the coronavirus. You see, uh, it was announced just a, a few days back that some of the heavy hitters in the nationwide fight against the coronavirus would be traveling here to Utah to meet with hospital officials and government officials. In fact, it was White House Coronavirus Task Force Coordinator Dr. Deborah Burks, along with Dr. Robert Redfield of the Center for Disease Control and Prevention, got together at the university, uh, university hospital to talk about what we are facing now, what recommendations there are, and how things uh, might look in the future. And to help get a better understanding of uh, of that, we in a moment will be speaking with Dr. Tom Miller. He's the chief medical officer for hospitals and clinics for the University of Utah Health. He was there for that meeting. We'll speak to him momentarily. Before we do, though, I want you to hear, uh, this is some of what Dr. Burks had to say as uh, she was interviewed by uh, our colleagues at KUTV, uh, was asked about uh, going forward, especially as we get closer to Thanksgiving, uh, what ought we be, uh, what are what are we and other states experiencing? For the next few weeks, to really limit interactions, either in public spaces or in your own house, to your household members. Several states, as you know, are experiencing record high numbers of COVID-19 cases this week, including including here in the state of Utah. It was more than 2,290 on Friday. And the day after that, Dr. Burks, uh, again, the White House Coronavirus Task Force coordinated coordinator. She visited the state on Saturday, met with several state leaders, health officials, and discussed the path moving forward to slow the spread of the virus before before colder weather moves in. And we start spending more of our time indoors. Uh, I mentioned Dr. Burke spoke uh, with our colleagues at KUTV saying uh, that she hopes to implement 
uh, weekly testing for several at-risk groups within Utah and eventually the nation. Really getting required testing of hospital personnel, county employees, K-12 teachers, community college students, university students. So that's Dr. Burks. Now back to the meeting in which she met with medical officials, government officials. Joining us now is Dr. Tom Miller, chief medical officer for hospitals and clinics for the University of Utah Health. Uh, Dr. Miller, how are you? I'm great. It's Monday, and uh, thanks for having me on the show. Appreciate it. Well, I'm grateful to you for making some time for us. Talk to us uh, generally about what was discussed at this meeting over the weekend. Right. So we had a good conversation with Drs. Redfield and Burks. Um, They came Saturday, as you know, and you did your reporting. And uh, the first thing that, well, one of the things that I'd stress and that they stressed is that masking works. There's plenty of studies out about that. And we know that if people will wear those masks at a time when the rates are as high as they are and wear them in high percentages, that is, you know, when we're together with families or we're at, you know, events, if we're at churches, if we're at schools, if we're at businesses and we're inside, they work and we can really cut this down. But that means that 95, 90 plus percent of the population needs to be wearing the masks. And so Dr. Burks and Redfield did talk to our government officials and the governor, members of our legislature about the importance of pushing masking as one of the primary ways of bringing down the rates. They also stated that in the next four weeks, based on their statistical understanding of how the the disease is spreading among the Western states, that we would continue to see rises in hospitalizations and deaths, and that anything that we did now would probably not be effective for a couple of weeks. But if we get started now, we can really slow it down over the long haul over the winter months. The next thing that we talked about was the importance of testing and moving away from what we call symptomatic testing, that is people coming forward to be tested who have symptoms or concerns that they have COVID or that they might be exposed to somebody and moving towards testing groups of people who are carriers and are asymptomatic, that is they don't have any symptoms. We think now that the spread of this illness is carried on by many, by folks who have the illness or have the disease, have COVID, but don't really have symptoms. And then they go into places where people aren't wearing masks in crowded situations and spread it. So what they're recommending is that we test numbers of people, so they could be hospital workers, they could be students in colleges and primary and secondary schools, and do that on a routine basis, identify those who are positive, and then isolate them for a time until they're better and then bring them back. Places that have done this have been successful. And they also looked very much to the University of Utah to help ramp up the testing. The other thing we talked about was the availability of the new point-of-care tests that are being developed in, in large quantities. Abbott Binax, Abbott's the laboratory. The test is called Binax. And this is a test that can be done within 10 to 15 minutes, and you don't have to send it off to a laboratory for analysis and that test result comes back in, what, 24, 48 hours. It can be done right there. You know if you're negative or positive at that point, and then actions can be taken uh, to mitigate the spread. So, so that's what we talked about. They really wanted the states uh, to convert towards this testing of at-risk groups, again, schools, uh, nursing homes, hospitals, hospitals, employees should be tested, college campuses, 
And in that way, uh, they believe that we can be successful. So the, the question is, can we get these point-of-care tests, and will there be enough of them? And that's the question, that's the million-dollar question we're entertaining now. We're looking to the CDC to try to make more of these tests available as production ramps up, and um, we're looking to the state as well to allocate the tests once they're received. What, 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 well, there. Maybe that's too much. I probably spoke too much there. No, that, that was outstanding. That's a wonderful look into uh, the, the the efforts into combating this virus. It, any sense of a, a time frame? The, the shift in the philosophy behind testing feels fundamental, and uh, I, I understand fundamental shifts can take some time. How, if we were to wholesale accept these recommendations and to shift our attitude about testing, any prediction on how long before Utah could make a shift like that wholesale? Again, it's going to be dependent on the ability to obtain an adequate supply of testing so that testing can be done not once, but repetitively, you know, week after week, so that you're testing groups of people week after week. And in that way, you're identifying uh, asymptomatic people who don't have symptoms of COVID and isolating those people for a time until they're better. And that way you reduce the spread. But I'd like to go back to what we do have in front of us. And we have masks. And masks are the medicine that we have right now. And if people will wear those masks until we get through this, they can take them off and throw them away. So we already have in front of us an effective way to prevent the spread of this illness. So we can start right there. And so the plea that they had for the legislature and the governor is to enforce uh, and to to advertise the importance of mask wearing, and they did that in all the states. So back to the other question is, when will we be able to have enough of the tests so that we could have this shift in the way that we test the population? That's going to be dependent on the production and availability of these point-of-care tests. And I would also mention that these point-of-care tests are much less expensive than the standard laboratory testing which is carried out now uh, on a smaller number of folks who are symptomatic. We're speaking with Dr. Tom Miller, Chief Medical Officer for Hospitals and Clinics for the University of Utah Health. Uh, Doctor, last question before I let you go. Did did Thanksgiving and holiday travel come up in the conversations uh, with uh, Drs. Burks and Redfield at all? No, that, that didn't come up. I think uh, we, did, we didn't really talk about that. What we really talked about... Um, were the, the sectors of, of society where we really need to do, do the hard work to make sure that um, those that are at greatest risk of suffering hospitalization and, and worse um, are protected. So again, um, we're looking to try to identify um, carriers sort of in our, our primary, secondary schools and college campuses who then could potentially take that illness or that infection home and spread it among uh, older folks, grandparents, those at risk, people who have medical conditions that will suffer. And that's, in fact, what we're seeing now. So we didn't focus too much on the, on the holidays. We've spent a lot of time talking about, well, people go on holidays and they congregate in different areas. We really want to focus on the, the population now um, and protect, protect those at risk by, by looking for asymptomatic um, individuals who could spread this illness in, a, say, a nursing home, uh, employee, uh, or or somebody in school who would go back yeah. home to a, a multi generational family right. and spread it there. 
All right, very good. Dr. Miller, thank you so much for your time and your expertise in this glimpse into the uh, meeting you had just over the weekend with Drs. Burks and Redfield. Uh, thanks again for your time and service. You're welcome. Thank you, and, and good luck. We'll get through this. Thanks. Very good. Uh, All right, we are going to right now take a a quick break. When we return, uh, if you were listening earlier today, story broke on Dave and Dejanovic, and it is a story coming from Summit County. Specifically, the Summit County Clerk's Office is right now under quarantine. Why is that interesting? Well, (laughs) did you forget what tomorrow is? We'll speak with the clerk and see what's going on in Summit County next on Live Mike. I'm Lee Lonsberry, and this is KSL News Radio. Two years ago, Americans watched in horror as a crisis unfolded at the Kabul airport. She was tear-gassed and beaten. Images of thousands desperate to escape Taliban oppression filled our news feeds. More than 80,000 Afghans made it to America. But the story didn't end there. It was very cold. There was no power, no heat. Who would help our newest neighbors? I'm Andrea Smartin. In Stranger Becomes Neighbor, you'll hear the stories of some remarkable refugees who left their homes and their dreams behind only to start over from zero. Their only possession was three blankets. And you'll meet Americans who stepped up to help them. You want me to come when you deliver your baby. What can one person do in the face of an international disaster decades in the making? That's Stranger Becomes Neighbor. Find us at kslpodcast.com Follow us on Apple Podcasts or anywhere else you listen.